Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, you guys, we are going to talk about the pelvic floor. What is even happening down there? I sure as hell don't know. We spend so much time worrying about the baby, but what about us? What about the moms? So we have two guests today who are gonna help break down what every new mom needs to know about the pelvic floor post-birth. First, we're gonna be talking to Stephanie Prendergast. She is a physical therapist and the co-founder of the Pelvic Health and Rehabilitation Center. And then I'm gonna be talking to Priya campbell Sirago. She is a birth doula and a pelvic floor specialist who takes more of a holistic and embodied approach to pelvic floor rehab. So let's get started. You guys, we are on the topic of the pelvic floor, which I have slowly begin to realize that the reason I was most excited about recording this episode about this topic is that it's just secretly my way of talking about my own pelvic floor of what's going on because maybe I've been a little bit scared to make an appointment and see what's going on. Stephanie, I am so happy you're here. You are, I mean, you are one of the tops of this situation and I am so excited to meet you and talk about my pelvic floor, but also I'm sure this will be super helpful to our listeners. So welcome Stephanie Prendergast. Did I say your last name correctly? You did. And thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're so happy to be here. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. So I, my background is I'm a physical therapist, but for since 2001, I've been specializing in pelvic floor disorders. And so in relevance to this podcast, we deal with a lot of women during pregnancy to try to optimize their pelvic floor for delivery, make them more comfortable, as well as help. Wait, wait, wait. You see women 
during pregnancy and before too? We do. We do. And in recent years, people are coming in more to get a better control of their pelvic floor muscles before birth. But historically, it used to be that women would come in with complaints if they had pelvic girdle pain or incontinence or some sort of pain issue may have led them to PT before. Mm -hmm. But now that women are becoming more informed, we also can help women prepare themselves, have the confidence they need to go into labor and delivery knowing their body is as ready for it as it can be. Oh my, I mean, literally, why did I not go to you before? having a baby this is insane because I mean before I had a baby I was the person who would like sneeze and if it caught me off guard and I had a super full bladder like a little bit of pee Mm -hmm. might come out and I know a lot of friends that are in the same boat Mm -hmm. um, and we don't really talk about it much Um, so can you tell us about the pelvic health and rehabilitation center Yes, so we have been a company since 2006. Mm -hmm. We have four offices in the Bay Area. I practice in our Los Angeles location, and we also have two offices on the East Coast in New England. We specialize in men, women, and children, transgender, all sexes, all ages. These problems can start affecting people in their teenage years or in the pediatric years with bedwetting and constipation and continue all the way through menopause. So we're happy to specialize in solely these disorders and treat everybody across the lifespan. Whoa! Okay, tell us a little bit about what the pelvic floor muscles do. Like, let's let's talk about the pelvic floor muscles, like what they do normally, and then what do they do during pregnancy and maybe labor? Great, so they most people don't even know they have a pelvic floor. The muscles run from your pubic bone to your tailbone, and they're responsible for kind of a lot of big deals. They help us maintain continence, urinary and bowel, as well as let us evacuate mm-hmm. urine and stool. Mm-hmm. They're responsible for sexual function, for orgasm, and for keeping our orgasms, our orgasms, keeping our organs supported. So they also provide and also support, our orgasms supported. and they keep our organs awesome. supported too. <laughs> okay, like why, it's like, why am I in the gym working so hard on my biceps and I'm not in this gym like working so hard on these pelvic floor muscles that do all the things you just described? That's a great question. (laughs) Most women, until you've had a baby, don't necessarily need to strengthen their pelvic floor muscles because they are always under some sort of tone. It's one of the only muscles in the body innervated by a nerve that has autonomic function meaning you don't have to think about it most of the time. You're not going to leak if you sneeze because you have reflexes. It's just holding it and it's holding in your organs like it just does it. So it is big myths in Cosmo and these other magazines that suggest younger women should be doing kegels to improve their orgasm. That is simply not true. What? Right. You guys, I'm (laughs) running out the door. I'm, wait a second, wait. That is not true? Regular activity often strengthens our pelvic floor muscles from day-to-day activities. There's always some tone. And in younger women, and women who have not given birth, most of the time they do not need to strengthen their pelvic floors. When you do have a baby and you basically run a marathon with your pelvis, all those hours that you're in labor Uh are pushing the baby through the pelvic floor. Now the muscles are lengthened, they're weakened, there may actually be neuropathy. Then What's neuropathy, sorry? Yep, when when you're trying to push the baby through the second stage of labor, there's a lot of tension both on the pelvic floor muscles and also the pudendal nerve that innervates them. And in certain cases there can be transient issues with the pudendal nerve. Sometimes it can be more serious than that. 
depending on what has happened during the birth. But if you think about it, of course you need rehabilitation after going through everything that yeah, a it's woman like you would do physical through. therapy if you if got you sprain your if ankle, you sprained your ankle, you're doing physical therapy. Kind if of a you have behavior. any sort and this is even bigger and yet we're supposed to just like carry on, folks. Yeah. No. Wow. No. Um so I think you started to hit on this a little bit, but so having a baby, I guess in my terms, Katie's terms, pelvic floor just gets blown out. <laughs> but even if you don't give birth vaginally like because what i'm learning is that the pelvic floor has held up additional weight for 10 months which is makes it also exhausted this is true so regardless of the method of delivery the pelvic floor is involved in a number of changes that happen during pregnancy period but it's so surprisingly resilient it just often needs a little bit or i should say women would function better with a more appropriate rehab after to just help get things more normalized after the changes that happen. Why is this like, does insurance cover this? Like, it is does. This, it yeah. is just in the last month that the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is acknowledging that maternal postpartum care in the United States is last in line of all industrialized <sighs> countries. countries. We were given one six-week postpartum checkup visit to check for postpartum depression, make sure you don't have an infection, make sure your uterus is returned to normal size, and that's it. See you later. So finally, they're acknowledging the fourth trimester needs to be more comprehensive than that. Women need more visits than we've been given. That are covered by insurance. Right. Like we need more visits for physical health, obviously mental check-ins for postpartum. Um, wow. And I, you know, it never even occurred to me that most physicians, unfortunately have been paid one lump sum for pregnancy and delivery. And that includes one postpartum visit and has not included any additional visits that a mother may need if it had anything to do with her birth. So that's an interesting thing that wow. I don't think many people know. I am know. just, it's like I've just got punched in the gut and it makes perfect sense because you guys, like, you know, when you, right before you have the baby, you're in your, your OB's office all the time getting these stress exactly. tests. They're monitoring the heart. They're monitoring your health, all this stuff. And then as soon as the baby's out, it's like, it's like the biggest breakup divorce ever. And it's in no way, yeah. shape, form, like my OB's fault. She's just like, great. Thanks so much. Like I'll see you in six weeks. And you're like, wait, 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 what? I, I'm sitting on a donut and I'm in a diaper, like, hold up a second. I'm super confused. <laughs> and most women feel that way. In oh. a recent survey, the majority of women feel like their concerns, their care was not adequately addressed during that six week visit. And most people felt like they were kind of floundering. Mm-hmm. I mean, rightfully so. Oh, uh, yeah. In other countries, and as early as 1985, women were required in countries like France to have 10 postpartum pelvic floor physical therapy visits. Required and this is why don't we get this because insurance companies have been in the way and dictating coverage in the United States That's exactly why because other countries understand the impact that the birth and then the support that mothers need is Greater than what we've been given so far. So hopefully we're on the cusp of change So you think maybe this this new we admit that there is something called a fourth trimester could maybe lead us on On a path towards maybe better care. It's supposed to set the guidelines for all OBGYNs and the standard of care in America Now whether insurance companies decide that they're gonna pay for or not is going to be interesting because it's being strongly suggested that they do great Um, So when do women typically come to see you? 
is it is are most of your clients patients postpartum are they the majority i would assume well in our practice we actually see a, a wide range of things what's interesting about this is because pelvic floor physical therapy historically has not been included in the standard of postpartum care many women find us on their own when something's wrong yeah they have stress incontinence they have severe vaginal pain they have rectal pain urinary urgency frequency they can't evacuate their stools they can't orgasm and they're furious why didn't my doctor tell me is what happens. Now, in more recent years with the presence of social media and things like that, many women are finding out that they should be going to pelvic floor PT, even if they're not noticing immediately the bothersome symptoms that I mentioned. Um, I'm definitely going. Like, next week, what's available? <laughs> <laughs> because obviously, think about what, what pregnancy and birth entails. This is a no-brainer, but it yeah. just hasn't been standard of care until now. No, it's really never made so much sense to me. Like you say, if you ever had a sprained ankle, you would go to the doctor and go to all the visits you'd need until, you know, your dislocated shoulder was back or whatever it was needed. And yes. wow. Um, so can you take us through a little bit what, what happens in a first appointment with you? Yes. And I hope you won't be nervous when you come to see me. <laughs> But You're making we, me feel way better. <laughs> so we take a history. We also want to hear what your urinary bowel sexual function was like before pregnancy because there can also be factors that may have influenced your delivery and things that are influencing your rehab now. Mm -hmm. um, we do a manual examination that includes looking at the abdominal area for what's called a diastasis recti. Many women associate that with mommy tummy, which is when the muscles separate naturally due to the advancing pregnancy. Sometimes they reduce on their own, sometimes they don't. Right. It's important because not only for aesthetic reasons, but it will impair a woman's ability to have optimal pelvic floor muscle function if her abdominal wall is not intact. These muscles work together. How Do you know the percentage of women that that happens to? Is so there's a wide range in the literature from 30 to 90%. Sometimes it reduces, sometimes it doesn't. And how people measure it has kind of been varied. And so the studies show it's kind of a wide range. Wow. And again, some people it closes naturally, some people it doesn't. If it doesn't, it can be associated with stress incontinence, prolapse, and back pain later in life. So it is important to address it even if you don't realize it's there. Wow. We also will examine the other muscles of the pelvic girdle. Typically, the muscles of your hip widen to allow the baby to come out. There may be dysfunction. How, what do you mean examine? So we will manually examine them to see their length, their strength, if they're tender. And the same thing internally. We need to know if you can contract your muscles, if you can relax them, relax them. if there's pain, if there's been an episiotomy, uh, pain at the C-section scar, and basically making sure the muscles can function as they should. What do you put in there to see? So we don't use a speculum. Mm -hmm. We use a single gloved lubricated finger. Yeah. And we also use that as feedback to help the mother figure out where her muscles are in space because it's kind of like a big black box to many people. And often in the postpartum period, it can be what I call a hybrid where some muscles are tight and some are overstretched and we've got to really do specific things to help get that functioning again as a unit. Whoa. So you're literally laying on a table <laughs> yes. with someone's finger in your vagina, Correct. a gloved, <laughs> lubricated finger in your vagina, and then you go through exercises and you try to really help someone feel inside themselves like different areas of the vagina and, mm -hmm. and strengthen it, like do reps almost, like, yes. like and, a workout. And it's interesting because the majority of women just who are told to kegel uh -huh. actually do them incorrectly. And a percentage I definitely of them, do them incorrectly, like definitely. In a way that could make things worse. What? So, yes. Oh my God, you guys, I'm literally losing my mind right now. So we need to help fix that. What? 
this is this is just completely blowing my mind. Um, so how is physical therapy different uh, from how a doctor might address pelvic floor disorder? So it's interesting because most gynecologists will tell you that they had very little pelvic floor training in medical school. And that is shocking since they have to push right through those muscles to get to the cervix and the uterus and all the things that are important. So a physical therapist is gonna more specifically examine each of the muscles and different areas of the pelvic floor, the pudendal nerve and tissue. So when doctors come into play is usually when things are more dire. And like you a, will hear a pelvic a prolapsed bladder specialist. Or a prolapsed rectum or wait, what did you just say? So they're considered surgeons for a pelvic floor reconstruction. And is so, that a surgery that you have to be like put out for? Yes. You have to go under anesthesia if there is significant bladder prolapse, uterine prolapse, rectal, it may require surgical reconstruction. Usually this is something that happens later in life that could be prevented if we put the pelvic floor muscles back I into think this working totally order to sooner. My, some of the older women in my family though, I've heard, yeah, like things just falling out and needing hysterectomies and things like that. And so yeah. possibly had they done pelvic floor work earlier on, that might not have been the case. Because the you number say one that? risk factor for pelvic organ prolapse later in life is childbirth. Woo! See, you guys, this is, it's like you're not even here. This is just my appointment with Stephanie Prendergast. <laughs> um, so uh, you see all sorts of patients and clients um, how are issues facing pregnant and postpartum women different? Are they the same? Like when you see a woman who might be about to get pregnant or a woman who is pregnant or a woman who is post-pregnancy, mm -hmm. um, what, how do you treat them differently? So with pregnancy, we want to optimize their pelvic floor muscle function, give them the confidence that they're ready to go into labor and delivery and just help support the birth that they want. Mm -hmm. Um, prepare them with things that maybe feel different after so when it does happen it's not alarming and basically provide education to the pregnant woman when they can get in and that can vary from six weeks to five years postpartum about doing pelvic floor physical therapy afterwards. Again, if there's more acute issues that happen during delivery like women are in retention or they can't pee on their own, um, more Is that a thing? significant medical things and we can help sooner rather than later in the postpartum period. But ideally, after the six-week checkup with the OB, which is now three weeks, mm -hmm. um, women, once cleared, can start physical therapy that soon. My observation is they're overwhelmed with the baby, especially first-time moms. Just know we're there when they're ready. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's hard when they need weekly appointments and we're telling them what to do when obviously they have to care for another human. Yeah, and their weekly yeah. appointments are their first, you know, they're with their pediatrician and it's all about the baby. Everything and is chaotic. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. 
Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What are the different types of pelvic pain and disorders that you treat? I think you've listed all of them. But in case we missed any real (laughs) fun-sounding ones. So pregnancy-related, I mean, it's it's astounding because at 18 months, in a very large study, there was still 65% of women who had painful intercourse, regardless of their method of delivery. So that's that's telling of what happens with the pelvic floor. 18 months post-baby, women were still in pain having sex. Oh, Evay, that's just a nightmare. We have to help all those women. That's not okay. I'm not down with that. High percentage. And so even if there's non-obstetric-related disorders, we do treat a lot of painful intercourse. People can have provoked or unprovoked vaginal pain, clitoral issues, interlabial itching, rectal problems. Urinary urgency frequency feels like it's an infection when in fact it's the muscle. Oh, you feel like you have a UTI or something and you don't. Something else is going on. Whoa. Off in the pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. Whoa. What's the labia one? (laughs) So interlabial itching is a common symptom that women can get or what's called unprovoked or provoked vulvodynia. So women can have pain in that area also unrelated to childbirth, but childbirth can also provoke some of these changes that do need treatment. Mm-hmm. How do you, how does someone with a prolapsed bladder or uterus or rectum, like, can it be fixed through physical therapy or does everyone end up having to have surgery or do you recommend if someone might have had a prolapse after baby one but they plan on having another baby? Like, what do you do? Good question. So it can vary and there's multiple factors that affect prolapse, including genetics, weight, 
other metabolic things, diabetes and whatnot, but the pelvic floor is a big one and that's the one we can control. Mm -hmm. And so if somebody has impaired pelvic floor muscle function and core function together, it's not just about the pelvic floor, um, they will be more likely to develop prolapse as time goes on because the muscles provide some support to those organs, but so do the ligaments. And again, we can't control the ligaments, that's our genetic composition, but we can improve our pelvic floor muscle function to kind of take up the slack mm -hmm. of gravity, of natural age-related changes, et cetera. Mm -hmm. If a woman does have prolapse immediately postpartum, it is not advised to have surgery until they are done having children. Mm -hmm. And so depending on the severity of it, like they, skip, they score prolapse one, two, three, four in the most oversimplified version of this. Mm -hmm. um, categories one and two it can be helped with physical therapy. Categories three and four mean that organs are coming towards the opening of the vagina or out of the vagina itself. And those are almost always a surgical situation, but can still benefit from getting as rehabbed as possible before and also addressing your function after, just like with any other surgery in any other part of the body. You wanna go into that as prepared as possible. I have a friend who had a prolapse, who has a prolapsed bladder and I, and wants to have another baby and she's been, she did a lot of physical therapy, but was also playing around with like maybe a diaphragm or putting something up mm -hmm. there that could hold her stuff in until, I mean, is that a thing? It's called a pessary. Yes. And so those are there devices you have it, folks. <laughs> over the counter. Now poise makes a, almost like a super tampon called the Impressa, mm -hmm. which you can purchase over the counter that can help provide some support if it's a minor prolapse. Mm -hmm. Um, and then a medical device called a pessary is something that your gynecologist or urogynecologist can fit to help provide support to the organs. Once you take it out, the organs are gonna come back down, but they can provide a basis of support while people are trying to either delay surgery or do other things in life. This is a really stupid question, but like, if you're having a prolapse and your bladder is like out, which I have another friend that that was the case, what, isn't there major risk of infection or like, I, you know, like if your bladder is just hanging out of your vagina hole, like how on like a cotton underwear, like is that dangerous? I've been doing this for 18 years and I still don't think, I, I think the same way you do. Every okay, time you do. I see, every time I see a uterus on my table, I'm like, mm, that doesn't Wait, really you look see good. a uterus on your table? Yes, this has happened. Oh! Guys, I'm literally losing my shit just, to right me, now. To me, it doesn't look like that's okay, but apparently it's kind of okay. I don't know. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> I'm sitting on my bladder. Literally, yes. like I have a friend that it's coming out of her vagina. Yeah, guys. literally. Yo, having a baby <laughs> is so fucking crazy. Like, this is crazy. Like, it's we're incredible. literally having a conversation about carrying your bladder around outside your body. But, like, so that is that is the thing. And, it, and it's okay? It doesn't cause as much risk of infection as, as, I would as you would think. And even still, I think it just does not look okay to me. Wow. And so usually we do advise that women wow. use a pessary and work with their doctors about surgical intervention. What are some of the um, telltale signs that, that women might be facing post-baby that would be like, okay, you, you should go see you? If you can't, leaking urine is never normal, but extremely oh, common. Oh, no, you guys. Yes. So if, you, if you've had That's a me. baby, I think everybody should be evaluated. But I mean, things like leaking normal, leaking urine may not be bothersome, but that's indicative that there's something wrong. Mm. Um, opposite end, urinary urgency, frequency, diminished orgasm, painful sex, difficulty with bowel movements, all of those factors 
um, can be addressed. And not to mention the more simple things like hip pain and back pain and you know sciatica, some of the normal things I feel like we haven't even covered. But those yeah. are things you guys cover too. Yes. Because sciatica, I didn't have that a lot during my pregnancy, but I heard about it constantly from all the women in my like yoga class or in my swim club. Like, That is a big trigger thing that a lot of women, it's like very debilitating. Yes, because your pelvic muscles start to get tighter as your ligaments loosen. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can push on your sciatic nerve, causing symptoms down the leg. And it's very painful and you can lose some motor control. So it's important to address it. For the women like me, well, that thing incontinence is like, oh, yeah, whatever. Like I was saying, I was on a, I think I was at a holiday party and I got a little drunk and I was jumping up and down on a dance floor and every single time I jumped and landed, like a little bit of pee came out and I was like, that's totally fine. I just had a baby. Mm-hmm. For those of us that are in a similar boat where you would think that's normal, you're saying that's not normal. Not normal, but very common. Oh, but can't we just pretend it's normal? No. <laughs> So that I don't have to address it and I can just live in denial that everything is fine. <laughs> well, think about it this way. What if it continues to get worse and oh, it's no, not you're just so right. jumping? You're, you're so what right. And that's just... why we're doing an episode about this, guys. You're going through a visit with me. Um, so, and also you would say similarly, anyone, thank God, this is not me, but people who are having pain during sex, even a little bit of pain, that mm-hmm. is not normal as well. Correct. What are the kind of pains that women complain about during sex? Is it like a sharp, like, is it a burning sharp? What What are it's we looking for here? Often, it's often entry pain, which uh, is like insertional pain for women. Uh, a, there can be issues, neuromas, things that the episiotomy scar. But also the second thing that's very important, and we catch it in pelvic floor PT, is the doctors will often provide you with estrace or a topical hormone to put on that vulvar vestibule area postpartum. And many women actually don't use it. But if you continue to breastfeed Mm -hmm. and you do breastfeed, then basically that tissue is essentially in menopause and it will become frail and atrophied. And that topical is prescribed for a reason but as one of my patients said i couldn't even eat bologna when i was pregnant why would i think i could put on a hormone good question good point but they do prescribe that for a reason and often women are a little worried about it or they don't totally understand why they're getting it but it's important to know that those tissues will respond to the lack of estrogen that's happening that allows a woman to breastfeed and so that can be a major leading cause of pain with intercourse is uh, cracking so and tearing and dryness. This is what I heard mostly from just yes. friends. We were all breastfeeding and, and yeah, that was the rumor I heard from most friends was like, oh yeah, good luck. You're never getting wet. And I was like, what? And they're just like, your body's in a menopausal state when you're breastfeeding. And so your body doesn't lubricate itself like it would yes. or used to. And I so think that could be a huge side visit, effect. You may not talk to your doctor about that. You're thinking about a million other things, but ask your, people should ask their doctors and know it's safe to use, and then that can help during that breastfeeding period. Mm, Very interesting. Mm -hmm. So tell me the exercises that you, I don't know, would like when people come and see you and you evaluate how they're doing, then is it just tons of homework and daily practice? But is it now that we do Kegels? Like I know we had talked about Kegels earlier, but would that be something you would suggest once someone learns how to do it correctly with you? They do, it is, but it's not just the Kegel in isolation. We want to make sure women can control the pelvic floor muscles, but then we actually are giving more individualized exercise based on their entire core. And so some people have a strong transverse abdominis, other people don't. And so it's about lengthening all the muscles that are too tight mm-hmm. and strengthening in a coordinated contraction of the core muscles together, which includes the pelvic floor. 
especially in Los Angeles, most people are active. And mm -hmm. so what we want to do is incorporate specific exercises into their regular routines. So they're not having to do a, two. even 15 minutes right. is too much for some women. And so it may be doing a Kegel when you're getting on and off the toilet or when you're bending down to pick up your baby and standing up, like things that you're doing already, we want to teach you how to incorporate safer biomechanics and proper neuromuscular motor control. I was always told you pee and then who these things I have learned from other moms is like so insane, but like you pee and then just stop your pee two or three times during a pee session. Is oh that so God, wrong? No, what is my face doing? Yes. <laughs> you guys, her face is looking at me like she is completely horrified. That is one way that I think inexperienced people told people how to kegel. That's not correct. You should never stop your urine stream. It can lead to bladder infections. Then you need to be on antibiotics and you get a yeast infection and now you've got vulvar pain. You don't want to do that. There's other ways that Who we will teach you. Who the hell told me that? I don't know, <laughs> but it was a rumor that I was doing for a little bit. It is definitely a popular rumor. <laughs> <laughs> so that is not it. What are the exercises that women can do um, on their own to help their pelvic floor pain? And are there any products or aid other than the... Um, possibly for some people, the lotion that you talked about. Yes, that's a, that's a prescription. A prescription, hormone. which you need. Um, I think there's a device out there that I personally am a huge fan of. It's called the LV. Yes, yes. I just got it, guys. <laughs> it came in a Mother's Day like swag bag awesome. that I got, and I will report back to you guys. It looks like a little vibrator thingy. It does. That goes in and what happens? And it also, it, what's interesting <laughs> about it is it connects to your phone and it will oh basically, guys, you're going to start playing video games with your pelvic floor muscles using your LV on your phone. And what I like about it is it confirms that you're doing it properly, which is the number one reason why women don't do kegels is because they're not even sure if they're doing them properly. Yeah. It will reinforce that you are, it will measure your strength, how fast you are, your control, and it will remind you that you need to do this over time and you can actually document your progress. And so what you'll see with that oh is God. that you can also tell that your muscles are improving, your symptoms should be going down. And I think for a home tool, that's a really useful so the LV, and then and then also I got from a friend the yoni egg. What is this like? Whatever. Okay. So Stephanie's face is like. Well, you don't need to hold a weight in your vagina for it to improve. It's really about neuromuscular control with your other muscles, and the idea of just squeezing independently around a weight for a period of time is questionable, okay. and so is the cleanliness of that is there's been some debate about if it can actually promote an infection, infection or not. Oh, God. I have not tried the yoni egg, but I have one next to my bedside. I think it's pink. Um, <laughs> I have to admit, how do women feel about, like, see, I'm going to try to avoid this and not come to you because I'm going to be super embarrassed that I have to go and, like, have some person's finger in my vagina and, like, do exercises. How do you talk or, yeah, like make women feel comfortable is it the kind of thing like once you get started it's just not a big deal and women don't care or like or is it a really big hang-up for some like I know I'd say more often than not it's not mm -hmm. I mean so many moms have already been through so much I guess <laughs> we really we're, not, have, we're not that different and we're not in big gyms I mean it, particularly in our clinic everyone is in a private treatment room mm -hmm. um, I think hopefully that from the moment people call our staff knows people are calling with sensitive issues and so from the beginning hopefully the education process starts to make people feel more comfortable, but it's really helpful to know that you do feel nervous. And my question for you would be, what can we do to make it easier? Oh, thanks, Stephanie. Well, I think I just have to bite the bullet and like do it. 
and I also have to kind of change my, you know, what I think is so interesting about this work is that, you know, you're raised, your vagina is your, your private part. It's like really like, you know, sensitive and, and brings up a lot of different feelings. So to come at it at a more kind of physical therapy way, which is like, no, this is a muscle that mm-hmm. you need to take care of, like the other muscles in my body. Um, you know, I was all about when I was pregnant, like, you know, I was all about doing a million squats because I had heard that like my legs were going to be so important during labor because they're my strongest muscles I've got and I'm going to be pushing like crazy. And it didn't even occur to me once that my pelvic floor was something that was going to take such a hit and was going to be something that that needed to be worked on. But yeah, I think it's like putting on my big girl pants and I just have to go and after a minute I'll tell you guys and I'll be like, it was so not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) If it makes you feel any better, all the people that are pelvic floor physical therapists, how do you think we learn on each other? Right. 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 So every time we hire a new employee, guess whose hands are in my pelvic floor? Yes. So hopefully that will ease it a little bit because we've all been through it and wow. that's how they learn. And so and what's crazy it's is really that, not that big of a deal. Yeah. And also every single thing I felt with pregnancy you thought was a big deal and then wasn't. Like I remember when someone was like, you have to get an internal exam and, and me being like, oh my God, this is going to be so terrible. And they did it. And I was like, oh, that wasn't that bad. And you know, it's almost so much bigger in my brain than when I do it. It's just not. Mm-hmm. Let's do some advice to expecting mothers that aren't having any issues and let's talk and then let's give some advice to women who are having issues. So the expecting mothers, I think just knowing this information, they may not feel normal at that six week checkup or now three weeks. And that's typical. Mm-hmm. Uh, their bodies go through a lot, both with pregnancy and delivery. And regardless of the time that they do come in, once they do, I think that they can learn enough to make sure that they are taking care of themselves for the rest of their lifespan and just addressing issues that may arise. Very treatable. We try to make it functional, easily integrated into your life as it already is. Mm-hmm. We don't want to give you one more thing that's going to make you feel incompetent. And the one thing moms say often is that they just don't feel like you know, they're doing as well enough job as they can. So yeah. our role is to set new moms up for success. This is like so mind-blowingly helpful. I can't even thank you enough for being here. And I'm going to keep all of you listeners have like so updated on my pelvic floor health in case you're interested in care. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Stephanie, with all my heart for being here and for being on Katie's Grip. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, Priya. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This is, guys, my selfish attempt of just getting to hang out with Priya and ask her all the personal questions I want to ask about my pelvic floor. I'm so fascinated by this subject because the pelvic floor is like a whole thing that I never thought about before it just got completely wrecked Mm -hmm. during childbirth. What is having a baby do to the pelvic floor muscles? Where Um, do they go? So during, so. (laughs) Besides bye-bye. Besides, totally different. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so the pelvic floor muscles, as you can imagine, they're holding the weight of your torso. They're holding the weight of your organs. So when you have a baby growing inside, they start to receive more weight from the baby. Um, so some of the things that can happen is the pelvic floor muscles can stretch out, um, which is what causes, you know, when people have pelvic floor weakness from them stretching out and that can happen from the pregnancy. So even people who have C-sections can have weakened pelvic floor muscles. Ah, interesting. So even if they didn't give birth vaginally, Mm -hmm. your pelvic floor muscles can still be kind of blown out because you've been carrying around in some cases a seven, six, 10 pound baby. Exactly. Plus all the extra weight from your just, you know. Gaining weight. Gaining weight, all the extra fluids in your body from pregnancy. Um, so they can stretch out. They can also over tighten. Why I, can they over tighten? What um, they'll get strong. They'll like tighten to try and hold more of the weight. I don't know if you experience like tight glutes of during course. pregnancy. So it's the same kind of thing. The glutes are also holding the weight of your torso. Um, so muscles will try and respond to the extra weight by tightening. So, Whoa. yeah. And there can actually be a, um, like what would be called like a muscle spasm, which is basically where the muscle can't relax, where it's over tight. That can happen to your pelvic floor? Yeah. 
Oh my God. Yeah. But that would also, even though the muscles are holding and are tight, it could come across, you could still be experiencing a pelvic floor weakness. Cause if you think of like, um, a scar tissue, scar tissue doesn't move. It's almost like it's like a spasm where it's overly tight tissue. Mm -hmm. And there's usually weakness in a place where there's scarring. So most pain. people deal with incontinence in regards pain, to the pelvic floor. There and could also be um, pain with sex, yeah. so pain with intercourse, and that would be from the over tightening, and that could Oof. both be um, that could both be from the phys actual physicality of holding the weight and then the muscles overly tightening. It could also be holding emotional trauma. So. As we all know, birth is a very intense experience, whether you have a C-section or, you know, pregnancy in and of itself is, is intense. So the tightening could also be, or the pain could also be from an emotional holding on. Whoa. Yeah, so that's one I can't wait to hear about there. how you treat all this. Um, <laughs> so would you say that there are women who are maybe more at risk for a pelvic floor disorder post-birth than others? Like what, why yeah. do some women have, I mean, like you said, I think you've already listed incontinence can happen because of mm -hmm. emotional trauma mm -hmm. and how you hold the baby and if you're tight or loose, but are there any preventative measures that women can take that would have the outcome be different or maybe better? Yeah. I feel like the best thing is to exercise, you know, like weight bearing exercises are really good. Squats are really good. I'd say in general, people who have a more active lifestyle before they get pregnant or even during pregnancy have a better chance of um, not having as many problems, but also being able to like bounce back more like their body's already kind of accustomed to working out and exercising. So it's easier to kind of get back into that um, Wow, so a lot of points for working out. Ugh. Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily <laughs> guarantee it. Like I've had clients before who are super in shape, who are really into exercise and still have issues afterwards. So, mm. you know, it depends a lot on also how the labor went. Um, you know, sometimes if, the, if, you, if you have to push and like get the baby out really fast, that could cause some both trauma in the body and also more physical damage sure um so that would be an example of like someone could be in really good shape but still have a problem so it's kind of like birth where it's there's no really any guarantee right 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 but you know having a healthy li a lifestyle that's healthy and active is gonna you're gonna have better chances i think we've all heard about kegel exercises like our whole lives mm -hmm. i mean <laughs> I, I love like i've i've definitely been in classes though prenatal yoga classes where women were like i have to admit like i don't even know what the hell that is or how to do it. Yeah. Um, just explain for people who are listening what a Kegel is. Sure. Um, so they're part of the pelvic floor is the vaginal canal, which is where you have intercourse. And so there's muscles, there's circular muscles um, inside of the vagina. So a Kegel is, a traditional Kegel would be squeezing that muscle and releasing it. What about those eggs that people all... Yeah, the yoni eggs. The yoni eggs, yeah. yeah. You like yeah. put an egg of different sizes depending on how ripped mm -hmm. and strong your <laughs> vagina is. And you put the, an egg up there uh -huh. and you can hold on to it. Oh, wait, wasn't this in that movie? Fifty Shades of Grey. Doesn't she have to like he insert something and like walk around with it at dinner? I don't remember. It's something like that. I'm pretty sure it was like a yoni egg. Can you explain what that is? And does that actually work? Sure. Should I like be doing that? And it will help sure. with incontinence? Tell me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to 
say with the yes, you can. The yoni eggs are good. The I'm not idea, gonna put it up there and it's gonna get lost forever. No. Okay. I great. mean, you there are ones that have holes in the bottom and you can thread like um, a string through it, a like string a tampon. through it, or you can thread thread like a piece of floss or something like that. Yeah. So you could pull it what out. What if the floss goes missing? This is all getting <laughs> very scary like, to me. Make it hang out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, the yoni eggs are really good. One of the reasons they're good is because, like you were saying, she had to walk around with it. You can walk around with it. And your muscles are going to be grabbing onto it without you having to think about it. So that's one thing that's good about the yoni eggs. Um, Whoa! Whereas, so the, I think the reason why people have such a hard time with the Kegels is because it's not that, you know, you can say like, oh yeah, squeeze your vagina. But most people, the pelvic floor is such a, it's like a whole landscape world of its own, um, which is some of the work that I do. I take people more deeply into being able to not just squeeze your vagina and let it go, but to be able to f- to feel muscles in different parts of the pelvic floor, which I call what? pelvic floor mapping. And it's every, you know, every place that you're able to find, it's a different, it gives kind of a different feeling through your body. So, and it's, you have to take people into a very deep, like it's a st- it's a strange place to feel. It's not just like, because we spend it's no not just like there. feel your elbow. It's, right. You know, it's really deep in there and people don't usually spend time, Any time there thinking about it, feeling it. And on top of it, there's tons, people have tons of shame around that area, you know, shame, embarrassment or whatever. A lot of people store all sorts of stress, feeling and feelings, stress yeah. in that area. So it's a, it's a difficult place for people to go. Which is why, you know, when someone just says, like, do a Kegel, it's like, what is that? Like, you can't just, oh, let me just move my vagina. So this is a lot about the work you do, which is yeah. you do, how would you phrase it? Is it is it, it's a holistic approach to pelvic floor health or? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's an embodied approach. Mm-hmm. It's, a, um, it's a mindful approach. So at what point does a woman make an appointment to see you, generally speaking? Like, do most women come to see you when most... it's too late? Or... No. <laughs> no. I mean, I have women who I work with who are, like, in their 50s and 60s even, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but most people come to me sometime in their, like, early postpartum time. Um, I've had someone come to me four days after their labor, uh, which is fine. Um, this woman in particular was like the worst incontinence um, case I've seen where she had to wear Diaper. diapers. Aww. Like every time she stood up, it was just no. pee. And she Please tell me she's gotten me. it back. She's gotten it back. Oh. I worked with her regularly for maybe three or four months. And she was like back to wearing a thong. <laughs> so what would happen, for example, at a first appointment? Take me through like her story. Like what do you do when you see a first appointment? Uh, you know, someone who has um, never been to you before. Like, yeah, I do an intake. So I find out kind of what their birth story was. What are their issues? Um, I ask questions to find out whether there's... Um, over tightness or weakness. Mm. Um, so like painful sex, if someone's having painful sex or just pain in general, um, I would, you know, diagnose them more in that they're overly tight and they need help with the relaxation side of things. Um, if someone's having issues with incontinence or any kind of like back or hip pain, then they're going to need more more strengthening side. And then yeah. what would you do for either? Like, what are the techniques during a session with you where 
people are, what would you do for a tight case versus a loose yeah. case? Or? Um, for a tight, I mean, a lot of the exercises are similar because I emphasize both the squeezing, the tightening of the muscles and the relaxation. Mm-hmm. Um, but with someone who is overly tight, I might just focus on the relaxation side. So I wouldn't bring them into the contraction, contracting of the muscles until maybe later on. Um, sometimes, you know, it's like when you work out and then afterwards you're able to rest more. Yeah. So totally. sometimes even with the tight, with the people who are overly tight, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to work with the tight, with the contracting of the muscles just so that you're able to feel the other side, which would be the letting go. But when you say like work on it, what does that mean? They're like laying on a table. Yeah. So I have people lay down. Um, I always start people laying down because it's easier to feel when you're doing less. So if you think about, um, you know, you're like rushing to get out of the house and like you're more likely to drop things and yeah. stub your toe yeah. or forget you know, something, forget mm-hmm. something. But um, when you start overly doing or overly working, you're not as aware mm-hmm. and you can't feel yourself as much. Mm-hmm. You know, you might like hit your hand on the wall or, you know, um, so it's the same thing with our bodies. The more you can let go and do less, the more you can feel inside of your body, which is one of the, you know, if you can feel an area of your body, you can work, you can learn to use the muscle in that area of your body. So you have them lay down and then what are the workouts? um, It's different exercises, but I first always guide people into a state of relaxation Mm -hmm. and feeling their breath. Mm -hmm. Again, like with the where you can feel your breath in your body, you can also feel more, especially mm-hmm. in our torso. I mean, it's like, well, yeah, I can feel my toe or whatever, and I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily breathing into my toe right now. Right. But like in the belly and in the pelvis particularly, if I can get people to start breathing into that area and feeling their breath in that area, then there's a heightened sensing and a heightened awareness, which then means that they have more access to those muscles, both relaxing them and contracting them, working them. So what do you do that's different is different from a traditional physical therapist? So I take people more into a meditative, um, being able to guide themselves in feeling and sensing and working their muscles from a place of embodiment. Do they do like reps? Yeah. Like you're literally like counting how many times you squeeze? I don't count. I usually will with different people, I'll do it until I sense that they're, um, getting it. So rep, repeat, repeat, repeat until I can feel that their body is actually getting what's happening. I also do a lot of verbal check-in because it's such a, like, you know, I can't see their pelvic floor working. working. So I'd be like, okay, I'll ask, you know, how did that feel? What, like, what were you able to feel? Um, does, do you feel your muscles? Also, you know, cues in the body of like, did you feel any warmth? Did you feel tingling? Do you feel a lot of times when people use their muscles, it's just like a feeling of spaciousness in that area. Um, but I don't know if you experienced this after birth, but a lot of women have like really no sensation down here, like kind of a loss of, or like almost like a empty feeling. Oh, I don't even like, I wasn't even alive. Like I just, (laughs) I mean, I was like in a diaper, uh, spraying witch hazel on my vagina. Like I don't even know, like, and I was waddling around and I was sitting on like a donut. Like it was Mm -hmm. horrible. Yeah. And like, nobody told me. Yeah. I mean, maybe they did it. I just didn't listen. But like, oh my God, all I can remember 
is I had given birth and it was like maybe an hour later we had had the golden hour at Cedars where I had like skin to skin time with my son and my husband did and then this lovely nurse like came and stood me up and started walking me over to the toilet and I just started peeing all over the floor. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't even make it there. She was like, wait, 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 we have to put in like a bucket thing or something. Mm -hmm. And I didn't make it there. I just started peeing everywhere. Um, and that's when I was like, oh my, and I couldn't feel anything. Yep. And I don't know if that was the epidural or mm. whatever it was, but mm -hmm. I couldn't feel anything. And I, and then you are, and then I continued peeing on the toilet. And then this lovely lady just started spraying down my private parts with water <laughs> because you can't wipe. And I was like, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, how long do you typically work with a patient? Like how long... I mean, you said your worst case, like in four months, you could even see some sort of, mm -hmm. and, the, mm -hmm. and how often were you seeing this person? Like how um, often do you, is it once a week? Is usually it see people once a week. Yeah. Okay. I do, um, I have, I do have people who I see twice a week. Mm. Um, a lot more improvement happens when I see people twice a week. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But I find, you know, with the postpartum schedule and, you know, everything, it's, generally hard, hard for people to oh, schedule sure. more than once a week even sometimes once a week is really difficult with you know breastfeeding and everything so um I recommend twice a week if you really want to get you know because also it's hard to practice things on your own anything if you can't even feel it like any yeah. kind of discipline with doing a new practice I find is difficult without having someone there telling you what to do and holding the space for you but how also, long is an appointment an hour an hour yeah and, and there's going to be check-in time like okay what's going on what did you do last week what are you anything that's changed, you know, um, and then time for practicing and doing repetitions. And then based on where your progress is, I'll add more, um, you know, more exercises. How did you get into this? Like what? This is so, like, how did you get here? <laughs> um, I kind of don't even really know. <laughs> no, I, um, did you have your own pelvic floor no, situation? No. no. Um, so I, let's see, my whole life I've been very embodied, mm -hmm. very into my body, mm -hmm. feeling my body. I've always been a dancer. And um, when I moved to L.A., I was intensely studying yoga mm -hmm. and tantra. Mm -hmm. um, not the kind of like tantra that you think of like, you know, ooh, it's like a class about having sex, but um, <laughs> that's exactly where my brain went. <laughs> like, learn I'm how like, to is have that the sexual learn how to have really good sex. Yeah. No, um, but that does come with pelvic floor health, doesn't it? It does. That's a benefit of the pelvic so, floor. So, like, health. if I walk around with a yoni egg and my pelvic floor muscles get really strong, like I'm gonna have better orgasms. Is that just fact? Yeah. Well, the thing. Is, so, if you think about, well, I've got you here. It's true. Yeah. I mean, definitely for sure. Really? Yes, for sure. I mean, I've had people who, you know, I'm working with them on other things like incontinence, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my god, I was so not interested in having sex with my husband," and then like we had the best sex ever. Like, oh, you know. So it happens. It's, it's so really... connected. Okay. So the reason to... being is that. <laughs> you're bringing, by doing the exercises, you're bringing more blood flow into your pelvic floor, into your vagina. And so basically erectile tissue, like when tissue becomes erectile, either the clitoris, the clitoris becomes erect, or the penis, obviously, there's more sensation in that area. Erectile, all that is, is there's more blood in the tissue. The tissue gets erect from blood flow. Whoa. So if you're having more, if you're able to circulate more your, blood, more blood and into more that muscles, area, then you're going to have, then you're more, gonna have more sensation. Exactly. So, okay. You studied, okay. Back it up. 
Tantra. So, yeah, so studied yoga. But we're not talking about Tantra sex. What are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, talking about traditional, like very, Tantra is a really, it's a, one of the first religions from South India. Whoa. And so the very old, old practices, which are based in, um, I mean, obviously it, it makes your connection with another person or your sexual connection with another person better. But the focus of it being to learn how to circulate energy in your body. Um, to... So how did it become that you specifically moved into pelvic floor? So while I was doing that training, which I went to India twice for and studied at, you know, the ashram with the guru and, you know, learned all these exercises that are, you know, learned a lot of learned exercises for doing, um, basically what someone might call what I, what are my version of a Kegel, Mm -hmm. but they're much deeper and more deeply sensed. So not just like squeeze, release, squeeze, release, like not really thinking about it, but really using the breath. Um, in coordination with the squeezing and finding the different parts of the pelvic floor. Um, And so in conjunction, what I was doing at the same time was I did a doula training. Um, So I started assisting women through childbirth. This is such a, I feel like, uh, one of the many Mm -hmm. topics that women feel like embarrassed, ashamed, um, uncomfortable to talk about. Is there any advice that you have for women and how to talk about this stuff and how to, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's all connected. Like mm-hmm. that if you feel shamed, you're probably, it's going to be a harder road to like get better. Yeah. Definitely. Cause it's sounding like the holistic approach is that it's all super connected. Is there any advice that you would give to women who are struggling with incontinence who may not even have babies yet or struggling and haven't seeked out help? Mm. The biggest thing would just, to know that you're not alone Mm -hmm. and that it's very common Mm -hmm. and yeah I mean if you're having a hard time talking about it I would say like find another woman friend to share with about first Mm -hmm. just so like you know I think that for men because they don't usually I mean some men do have pelvic floor issues that's definitely not un you know unseen but I think women experience it more more regularly and so finding a close friend that you can talk to about it just to start kind of sharing and getting it you know sharing helps so much being able to talk and have someone listen do you find so much uh, mental like you said the the shame part that it can be super connected and that's why you have to get them to a meditative state is a lot what you do is sort of therapy sometimes I do it depends on the degree of openness that the person has I do find that people who um, can share more about what's going on mm-hmm. will heal more quickly because it's like every, it is so connected. And so if you are kind of putting the, your physical symptoms separate from your emotional experience, um, it's like you're, you're more disconnected inside of yourself. Like you're kind of creating a disjointedness. And so... Not that you have to be like, oh my God, I'm having these issues because I had this, these feel, you know, you don't have to like over dramatize it. But um, I find that if people are more comfortable, just like, oh yeah, this is being honest with themselves. Like this was my experience or this is how I'm feeling or I'm feeling horrible about this. or I feel really regretful that this happened or, you know, that that you're going to have an easier time healing because you're not bottling everything up inside. Sure. Yeah. What um, 
are the exercises that you recommend people doing? So I, so I always work with the first thing I always work with people on is um, breathing into their belly and learning how to do a what I call belly breathing or diaphragmatic breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of people breathe up into their chest and do very shallow breathing. Mm-hmm. So I first teach people how to breathe into their bellies mm-hmm. and then use their abdominal muscles to exhale, to like press their breath out. So you're both using the abdominal muscles. You're also strengthening the diaphragm, um, which is a muscle that's pri- the primary muscle for your breathing. Okay. Sits so right underneath your rib cage. Okay. Um, so you start so there. I and start then... there, and that exercise because you're using your abdominals to exhale and really working up towards strongly using your abdominals to exhale. Um, those muscles get strong. The abdominals get strong without doing sit-ups. So when you have diastasis, you don't want to do sit-ups or any kind of crunches. It makes the the separation worse. Um, so by using the, um, belly to breathe, you're, you're strengthening the abdominal wall, the transverse abdominis muscles, um, which helps bring the rectus abdominis closer or the six pack muscles closer together to heal the gap. By doing that breathing, you're, you know, a lot of times right after labor, even if someone's had a baby years before, um, a lot of times people can't feel their breath, like kind of past their ribs. So I start by helping people get their breath lower and lower and lower until they can start to feel their breath in their, actually in their pelvis or in the pelvic floor. Whoa. And then once you can feel that kind of expansion, so think again of the jellyfish, the expansion of the breath mm-hmm. in the pelvic floor, then from there it's like when you exhale without even contracting, like you could try it right now, when you exhale, you generally feel kind of like everything sinks or comes closer together. Yep. Feeling so, that. Yeah, and that's the beginning <laughs> of a contraction. So contract actually means to squeeze, right? Contract so you do gentle to... like breathing, opening up your pelvic floor, and mm-hmm. then as you exhale, you right. let all the breath go, including down there, so that yep. it comes so back together. So it starts to come back together, and then once you can start to feel the everything kind of coming closer, oh, that's the beginning of the contraction. So then from there, begin to squeeze, mm-hmm. and you want to hold that squeeze through your whole exhale. And that's um, doing it right now, guys. Doing it right now. Yeah. So learning to um, doing these kinds of exercises and, you know, and that's kind of the basic. Then I'll work with different areas of the pelvis. So more in the back muscles of the pelvic floor, the vaginal muscles, and then up in the front by the pubic bone or around like the clitoris. Yeah, Because they're all different. And yet here we are, like, I can't feel the difference really. You know what I mean? For me, I'm I'm definitely one of those cases of a person who's like, oh, it's just squeeze, release, squeeze, release. You know, like it's not like varying areas of stuff down there yeah you know I just got my first period back Mm -hmm. after having a baby which because I've been breastfeeding your Mm -hmm. body goes into a menopausal state and you don't get your period for a long time so Albie's almost eight months and I just got my first period so it was my first time ever like using a tampon Mm. um which I was so scared to do because my group of mom girls um my swim club they all are, they're my group of mommies and they were all saying, oh God, wait till you get your first period. It is not fun. And they, <laughs> a lot of them had already gotten it. So I was like ready yeah. and I got it. And I have to say the tampon was fine, but I, I do think something might be happening with my pelvic floor because I was walking around with it and it was like kind of falling out mm-hmm. and I've never had that happen before. Is yeah. that a thing? I mean, yeah. Oh God, <laughs> great. 
Like I remember walking like halfway down the street and being like, oh my God, I think my tampon's like halfway out. And I know like I put it in yeah. really well. But so is that a case of like your pelvic floor muscles are not able to hold up yeah, because of the trauma? Stretched out, not necessarily from the trauma, but it, they're more stretched out and they're not like holding, squeezing in Except when I have sex with my husband, he says it feels the same. <laughs> I'm just going on record saying well, that. Well, that's great. <laughs> that's and great. I ask. <laughs> The vagina is a mystery, you guys. It is a real... It is really a mystery. It (laughs) is really insane. Like, I don't... So... But what you could try is... um, Have you ever heard of the Diva Cup? Explain this to me. So it's a little, like, silicone cup... That you put up there and collect the period, right? Yeah, so it's, like, round, like, you know, maybe, like, an inch diameter. Yes. And you fold it in half and fold it again, and then you... Put insert it up it. your vagina and you make sure there's like a section so that it's, you know, in place. Um, and they have different sizes. So they have a size for um, before you've had a baby and then for after you've had a baby. And the one that's for after you've had a baby is bigger because the vagina is bigger. Oh. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, it, and, and, you know, it is a vaginal canal. So there's different parts of it. There's the opening, there's the middle, there's the back up by your cervix. Maybe Adam's just trying to be so, nice. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, it could be, it could be more, it could be more open or tight in different parts of the vagina. And maybe that's what he's feeling. But maybe like more the opening of your vagina. Everyone's loving this diva cup. Yeah, they're great. So you put it up there and it holds your period and then... It catches the blood. Do people who come to see you, are some of them in pain when they have to insert tampons? Is that... Yeah. Definitely oh my god! Being a girl yeah. is so insane. I, I mean, I'm sorry for the few men that you also see that have problems, but <laughs> it sounds like it's mostly women, it's mostly and women. it's just yeah, it's like it is insane. Yes, like I can't tell you how many times it happens to me now where I, if I feel a sneeze coming on and I haven't emptied my bladder in yeah. like a little bit of you know, like I pee every one to two hours, whatever. Yeah. But like yeah. if I if it's, you know, been three or four hours, I've gone to the bathroom and I sneeze, like I definitely pee a little bit and I definitely have to go change my underwear. Like mm. what a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not even, and I think I want to have another kid maybe. Mm-hmm. So like what? Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. Is it worth getting it back before yes. you're thinking about having another baby or is definitely. it just like blow the whole thing out and come no. see you later? No, no, no. It's kind of, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like for the women who are more physically fit, they're going to have an easier time afterwards. So it's the same thing you want to, work to get it I mean unless you're having kids like right off the get after the other it's better if you work no. on strengthening before you have another baby um generally it's more difficult after a second baby it's just you know more stretching more you right. know so it's better if you can do some work on it before having a second this baby so fascinating yeah are there other things that you recommend besides a yoni egg that like, um, I tell people to practice. So with the, you know, we'll work with the different areas of the pelvic floor, but when we're working with the vaginal canal, I work with feeling, being able to squeeze in the different parts of the vaginal canal, which for most people is really, really difficult to feel. Um, okay. The opening, okay. Up by your cervix, you know, it's, it's challenging. And so what I tell people to do is to get um, some kind of a dildo or like a wand. They have really nice, yeah. you know, like you get like a crystal wand, you know. So to use that, just insert it and then squeeze against that to be able to, to feel f- the different, like, okay, now I'm squeezing this wand at toward the top. Yeah. Now I'm squeezing it towards the bottom. Yeah. And is there even a middle? Good Lord. Like, yeah. I mean. Exactly. Yeah. And people can do that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's how I started learning all this stuff because that was what, that was one of my, 
That was one of my tantra yoga exercises. So, um, wow. Yeah. And the reason being, it's like, you know, you can do air push-ups, right? Mm -hmm. Or you can do like a push-up against the wall or the floor Mm -hmm. and you're going to feel your muscles a lot more when you have that resistance to press against. Of course. So it's the same thing inside of your vagina, which is even, even if you're not working on trying to find the different locations, even just to feel the squeeze, it's going to help. You're like, oh, I can feel my vagina squeezing because I can feel it pushing against. Against something. Yeah. So that helps build your muscles strong, like you're going to have a little bit quicker of a of um success rate with that so that's one of the things i tell people to do there's also um the lv it looks kind of like a yoni i mean it's not like a stone but it's a round thing that you put inside and it has an app where you can test like it'll test like your strength level is there any other things you want to touch upon or yeah i mean i would say just start talking about it with your friends Mm -hmm. like just get the conversation going and because we are not alone you're not alone and you know if and there's help out there too which a lot of women don't even know that yeah that there's people that they can see and exercises that they can do and if your girlfriend hasn't experienced it she's not i'm sure she'd be interested or probably knows other people so i would just encourage everyone to start talking about it and sharing and the more you talk the more you know, the more that collectively people can get help and heal and amazing, not have to live their lives peeing in their pants. Yeah, no thanks. Having pains and... And enjoying sex more. Enjoying sex and yeah. feeling actually, you know, just helps with connectivity to yourself. Feeling more, you know, you put so much energy into your baby. It's like, it's, a, it's huge self-care and giving your own body attention that your body really craves and needs, so... Amazing. Thank you, Priya, so much for being on Katie's Crib. Thank you. That's all we've got for you for this episode. I can't wait for you guys to hear what's next. Thanks for listening to Katie's Crib.